Hey guys, this is going to be our uh, season preview pod. Wow, Mike here, Salo Brian. Dude, no, wait, so, we, don't, we don't do this. I'm so fired up, dude. I can't wait to talk hoops with you. I know this is a big pod. This is a big season for the Nets. Uh, we'll, we're going to go through some superlatives that Brian has put together. Yeah. for the team. It's going to be a fun show, guys. Buckle in. I'm going to hit the intro. Let's just fire this. Let's thing just off. do it. I can't wait. Right, well, welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Are you manually fading? Facebook. Just you, know, you don't need manual to manually fade. fade. Come on, I just, just why? I just I just slid it under I a little bit under that right into the file, bro. I'm just telling you, man. I like the control. I feel you know <laughs> you like, like the control. You know, like you're an astronaut. You want to feel mm. the, the jet propulsion engines. Yeah. You don't want it to be computer navigated the whole way. You you're like a real cowboy, space cowboy. I'm a space cowboy. Yeah. So they used to call me in elementary school. Uh, Brian. Mike, where do they find us? Nets Daily, right? NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio. We're everywhere you want to be. Yeah. Give us a rating on iTunes. Please. We have 70 five star ratings so far. At 500. <laughs> Mike, uh, what do you, you drink like sweat or something? <laughs> if, if we get to 500 ratings and they all have to be five star, um, I will drink a, a Trevor Booker. Ugh. The Trevor Booker is wild turkey, yeah. Red Bull, and a sweaty it's gym like, sock. No, it's like a hot sauce. And, yeah, hot sauce and sweat. Hot Good. sauce and sweat. Um, season preview pod, Brian. Mike, the next season. How, how much basketball are you going to watch tonight? Are you just going to go in a basketball K hole like I am? I'm so excited. This is maybe the best opening night of like it's NBA good, history. It's a really good one. Have I gone through? Have I gone through the history of opening nights? I have not. But doesn't was matter. Cavs Celtics. It's fake mean, news. That is just gorgeous. That is a gorgeous, very opening entree. Very juicy to the eighty-two game season that we're about to see, especially with this Nets team. Yeah. Um, general feelings, Brian. About this, the, the forthcoming season. Yeah. <laughs> My general feelings. Gosh. Excitement. Golly. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it, but uh, but in comparison to previous years, I mean, we've probably said this before, but um, this one does feel like there's a lot more interesting things going on. Um, you know, we're still getting slammed in the national media here and there, but then there's occasionally people are like, well, they're going to be fun to watch, you know? Yeah, and I get offended every time that someone says the Nets are still going to stink or they're going to be terrible. I will say we maybe want to dial back some expectations. We want to dial Definitely. it back a little bit. Oh, yeah. But... Um, I think the way this team played in preseason was a super fun, exciting brand of basketball. The players that this team has on its roster are closer to what they're going to want to have during the right, like what fits Kenny Atkinson's system. Mike, you know, we didn't talk about that Philly, uh, that six years preseason game. <laughs> There's, I think that's a strategic, <laughs> that's a strategic thing by Some, on our part. Chad on, uh, on Twitter was like, uh, emergency pod. And I was like, nope, nah. not, not. <laughs> Barry. I'm for the most part, we just want to be happy guys. Yeah, we don't, don't want to talk about the darkness that is that like could possibly. I have be. old notes from that game before it went terribly wrong. Let's see, what was it? Uh, is that what was at the top of that page that I was looking at? Yeah, um, I was just I was thinking about Ben Simmons. Such such a, such a weird player. Like the way that he was playing in that in that game was like a caricature of himself in that one summer league. It was just like a weird, bizarro, not really functional version well, of it. Well, they have such a weird team because. Beyond Reddick, their best three-point shooter is their center. Yeah. Their best passer is their power forward. Their most athletic 
player, but who seems to have no clue what he's doing because he's going to be a bench player is Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. Just a weird team. It's a weird team. I'm, I was pretty excited for them this season just because that's just so much talent you're adding to a team. By the way, did you see that J.J. Redick? I tweeted this out from our account. Still lives <clears> in still Brooklyn? Still lives in Brooklyn, making the commute. Does that is that a, a strange to you? If you're a Sixers fan, I think if I'm a Sixers fan, I take that as, yeah, this is definitely a one-year deal. My my wife is from Philly, and I make that commute. It's a lot more rigorous than people realize. I think he'll I think he'll be getting an apartment in Fishtown in no time. The, the Fish, area, Fishtown is like the Brooklyn of, of Philly. Yeah. yeah, well, I've been there. Have you? you? I, yeah. Oh yeah, for the yeah. for the big wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I got married in Fishtown. Uh, it was lovely. It was like Brooklyn. There's yeah. warehouses, which There's is where, yeah, converted warehouses everywhere. As which far is as exactly what say. you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, they say ninety miles. It's it feels. A heck of a lot longer than that, I guess. Well, here's the thing: when you, it's the way back up is the real trick. Because when you get that Verrazano Bridge, let me tell you, brother, get, crack up, bring a novel with you, because you're going to be sitting in standstill traffic for a fair amount of time. Um, so we have, again, we said this in the cold open, but we do have superlatives for this season. That's how we'll sort of frame the discussion mm-hmm. around the Nets. We also have. Uh, something I'm excited about. What were you pointing to me? For? Well, I just want to. Can we just fire off Mike Wims's? I think let's do it now. Yeah, I want to start getting. Hey, so you guys, explain it. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get. I want to start this behavior where you guys either email me MP3s. Uh, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love a text-based email like a ton. Probably way more than the average bear. But um, I like the idea of playing the these questions, hearing the voices of the listeners. It feels like there's a lot of interconnectivity there that I, I just want to harness that feeling. So um, without for, further ado, let me roll out your boy. This is Mike Wims. Uh, so this is not a traditional male kind of episode, but it was such a special How occasion. Do you, do you have the phone number from which they can maybe... I'm going to pull that up. I'm going to pull that up. It's okay. 646-652-something. That's a tease, and I love it. Let's play Mike Wims and figure it out. Hey, Mike and Brian. This is Mike from Phoenix. Uh, just wanted to say love also the show. DJ's from Phoenix. But thank you, Mike. My question is, what five Nets players get the most minutes this season? I ask this because um, that article came out that said that they were thinking about doing an 11-man rotation. So when you have that many guys going, what like five, um, what five group of guys are going to get the most minutes? Maybe what group of four with one subbing out? What three? I think that'd be an, an interesting to hear you guys' opinions on. Have a good one. Love you. Love you back. Dog. <laughs> Love you, Mike. Um, Love you. So, anyways, yeah. So, guys, I'll, I'll have the. I should have brought we'll, that we'll up tweet in the it meantime. Out. We'll tweet it. What out. we'll do is we'll put it in our Twitter profile. Smart. You're just gonna go right to our. You're gonna follow us if you haven't followed us on Twitter, and then that's how you're gonna call. And we'll take. I mean, we like serious, but we also like if you have something somewhat funny. If you got some goofs and spoofs you want to th- throw right in there. Yeah. It's fine. Um, we'll but take anything. To Mike Wim's question. I think it's interesting to talk about. Well, so here's the big problem: center. You know, who, who plays the most minutes at center? Right. Okay, so that's an interesting question. It's, it's well, it's going to be Mozgov. There's no question that it, it will I don't know. be they Mozgov. Have Trevor Booker playing a fair amount in preseason. No, but they're gonna. At the end, it's sort of like no matter what coaches say about being revolutionary, even the Warriors started off with Zaza at center. Like, mm-hmm. just by the fact that Mozgov is starting, he's going to play a lot of minutes at center. Jared Allen definitely isn't ready. No one's going to be clamoring clamoring for Zeller to be out there. So actually, so if you're going to say top five, 
Mozgov's in the top five minutes, even though I'm not excited about that. Yeah. Hang on, I gotta grab my. I wanted to do another <laughs> another shout out. I you didn't. I didn't tell you about this, and I meant to. Um, this is great. You're gonna love this. Oh, this is so exciting. Uh, here I go. Here I here I go. Opening up my. Well, we just got hit with a bunch of emails here. Um, did by the way, did, did we want to finish answering the question? Or did you want to throw this out there? Um, I, oh yeah. Sorry, I want to answer the question. Um, so my sense, and tell me where I'm wrong, D'Angelo Lynn are almost locks to be most minutes depending on injury. Um, Fair. I would say the wing player most likely to then get minutes would be Alan Crabb, even though we don't know if he's starting. I still just think Alan Crabb is going to be on the floor a ton. And then I can go. I could go either with these couple of players. Rondé, maybe. Damari, likely. Levert, I still don't know what we're going to expect from Levert this year. But I, I would say yeah. D'Angelo, Lynn, Crab, and then I'll just put a bet on. It's more the, like the I'll players, put a bet on Ronde. It's more the players who are going to get irregular minutes that seem more obvious to me, like Kilpatrick irregular minutes, Joe Harris irregular minutes, Whitehead irregular, Dinwiddie irregular minutes. Joe Harris is an interesting one, right? He's been getting a lot of burn, and people uh, he's 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 making his shots. It seems so far. That's a it's an important. Can you play? Thing to do. I mean, you can. Joe Harris and Crab together. Um, I would. I hope that they can figure out. I hope one that Joe Harris can survive enough to be on the floor for more. Let's say twenty minutes a game. And if you can put those two on the floor together, that does create a, a very interesting offensive lineup, regardless of what you even put around them. Like you could do pretty much any other player on the floor, and you're just going to have those two sort of pincering the sides of the three point line, mm. and that's going to create a lot of a lot of pull Pincer. from inside. Yeah, the mandible claw. Yeah. Well, w- give me what you got. So this is this might be pretty. Thank you, Mike Williams. By the way, yes, thank you. And guys, really, I mean, like, I don't know how he did that. He probably recorded it just off his computer, or his laptop. But it sounded, sounded great. Sounded good. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Mike Williams. Oh, and so you could, yeah, that's what you could do. You could record it on your phone. And just email it to us at netspot at gmail That's by far the most convenient way. But or that we have a Google Voice that we will figure yeah. out as we're talking um, out loud. So a shout out to True Boy uh, TM. This is at Mad Kid Palm City. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Do yes. you check out the shirts that he was saying? Do you want one of these shirts? He's he's making these things. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see this exchange? Yeah. He's got um, like goat head, like satanic goat heads on Nets players, <laughs> which if you know me, you know I love yeah. Satan. So, um, so I'm all about this. So I so what's his what's his Twitter handle? Uh, it's um, at Mad Kid Palm City. Um, so I don't know if he plans to sell them or not, but you you probably should, dude. Probably. And if he does, yeah. find him on Twitter, and he'll probably sell you some illegally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and well, there was another thing, but, uh, I forget. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, let's do yes, let's superlatives. Hop right into it. Can I, can I drop the killer comparison drop while we're at Please it? Please do. Um, it's been a while, you know? Yeah. The audio quality on that does not hold up. No, nah, it sounds. It still sounds good. <laughs> I remember when we first had it. I thought that, this, that it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've come a long way. Less so. Um, so basically, this is just we do this every year. It seems uh, cook up some superlatives, kind of based on previous Nets players. You know, we just kind of parlay the legacy of one player into the next one, and so on and so forth, till the end of time. Till the end of time. Um, so, for example, this year, you know, the the Jarrett Jack Hold My Beer Award. 
So explain that to me. So yeah. the whole <laughs> forgot about that one. So if you're familiar with the meme, hold my beer. It's like I'm about to do something insane um, by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so hold this, which is basically like how Jared Jack, in my opinion, played a fair amount of basketball, which is like. Watch, watch yeah. this, boys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, but, but like, not in a good way. Not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. There's a fair amount of, like, yeah. You can. It's like normally ends in failure. Is sure. Sort of thing with the hold my beer. <laughs> um, so, keeping all that in mind, I have an answer. Do you want me to just throw it out there, or do yeah, you, you have an answer? Yeah. Yeah. So for this one, it's D'Angelo Russell for me. Yeah. There's going to be a fair amount of of times where he just does something berserk. Um, which is fine. I think he has. There's more. It's more justifiable from his pr- perspective than Jared Jack as like a 30 year old or whatever, who's just not <laughs> <laughs> not as good as D'Angelo Russell is at doing these kinds of things. Um, but uh, there's going to be a fair amount of hold, hold my beer type behavior. There's going to be a lot of that. I'm going to get angry and mad, but it will. I I am. I do understand that that is a valuable thing to have. Yeah. The Jared Jack hold my beer. If you're actually good at completing the the trick that you're trying to pull off totally agree i think there's going to be a couple of times where we get mad about miangelo ball miangelo just thought of that no you didn't i'm sure it's been did you pull that out for really i just thought of that just came out of my head i don't believe you i went to newhouse you've got that face i'm really smart making that face no 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 actually i'm just smiling like a cheshire cat (laughs) because i'm so proud of myself um miangelo ball yeah put a hashtag on it send it but uh yeah and we saw in the preseason, and I'm excited to see it during the season. I am fine with a little Miangelo ball. I don't want it to be the Miangelo show. Maybe a couple of choruses. Brian, are you getting... Co- Brian, take the coffee off that. <laughs> Brian. It was, that was a watery drop. It was not coffee. Right. It was a. It oh was condensation. God. All right. Um, <laughs> what's the next one? Uh, the next one is... Uh, this is the Justin Hamilton I Lied on My Resume Award. This is for a... Uh, I love this one. A guy who comes into camp touting that he's got a skill that he doesn't actually really have. Or at least scouts are talking about the fact that he has a skill. And for Justin Hamilton, it was that he could shoot three-pointers. We were excited about Justin he, Hamilton. <laughs> which he almost certainly could not. Um, I mean, he hit a few towards the end of the season. But like he's, I think he went to like 0 for 22 to start the season or something insane like that. I don't know. Do you remember this? Well, I just remember him being extremely ineffective during the season. And there was a storyline in the beginning of the season that oh, right. is he going to get out of like can Justin Hamilton Hamilton put it together no he had some insane thing where it was like he was a cross-eyed or something right wasn't there like <laughs> do you remember this there, there, was, there was something where they some it, medical story came out because like if you're a basketball player and you start off so poorly then we find reasons why beyond that you're, yeah. you're just bad at basketball which is what Justin Hamilton yeah really is um remember how excited we were about Justin Hamilton like we spoke about him as if he was a Mark's find yeah. that was going to be maybe a trade piece, a uh, guy that would fit this offense, and he was terrible. Yeah, lied on his resume. You know, it wasn't it wasn't all his fault. The guy lied on his resume. I would say Alan Crab is my Justin Hampton for a different reason. Sure. Alan Crab will be able to shoot threes. I am not confident that he will be able to expand his game like we're expecting. Mm. To be. I don't. I mean, I don't. Again, I don't hate the trade. You know, if you can get the second best three pointer, three point shooter in the league, who's also a decent enough all around all, all offensive player, that's value. See, look, it's gone. It was all water. All right, all water. All right. keeping an eye on you. Keeping an eye on you, buddy. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to turn into Kawhi Leonard two point with a better three point shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's that is what anyone is saying. I just 
I think he's basically going to be Kyle Korver, which is what yeah. he says he will probably be. I like that answer so much that I'm ashamed of my answer. Um, Give it to me. Which is just, I just chose Levert because like, I, I really don't think Levert's going to be able to like shoot well this season. <laughs> um, and I'm worried that, I mean, I don't know that necessarily, I don't know that he's thinking of himself as like a uh, a very good shooter. It was my levels messed up or something? No, no, you're good. Okay. No, I was just sitting on my headphones. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, <clears throat> based on what I've seen in preseason, it seems like there's not a ton of confidence in the stroke quite yet. I could be wrong, but I, I didn't, I don't like the one-to-one, you know, comparison with the Justin Hamilton thing. And I really like yours. And, and, but I will say about Levert, like, he needs to become a three-point shooter, but I would like him, he's still underdeveloped, and I would like him to focus on other things than trying to shoot threes. I think he focuses way too much on shooting threes when he's on the floor. That maybe he he doesn't realize that like if he's at a, a wide open three point shot, why don't you just drive to the hoop and see what happens as opposed to taking that wide open three? I'm not asking you to take a mid range jumper, just just try going to the hoop a little bit more because mm-hmm. he focuses way too much on his three point shot. Um, next up, this is the Andrea Bargnani. Mike is probably too excited about this player <laughs> award. <laughs> um, do I have a drop for for that? Um, Probably not. There's no Bargnani drop. Mostly, it, it could just be. Do you have the Stephen A. Smith? What's that? Do you have the Stephen A. Smith? Oh, oh yeah, perfect. Who was on crack? Mike, Mike was when. Uh... <laughs> so I, if you're new to the podcast, I was pretty loudly excited about the Bargnani. You went after it. Look at your socks, dude. What is going on? I know. Well, I need to get that, new socks. That is a that is like a sock like that you would wear for a bum costume, like a bum <laughs> Halloween costume. <laughs> my my entire heel is exposed. <laughs> if I was Achilles, I would be dead via an arrow yeah. through my Achilles. Um, mythology. Thank you. Hashtag mythology. Uh, yeah. No, I was super pumped about Bargnani because uh, I thought they they basically got him for nothing. Uh, the guy that I'm ex- think is my Bargnani is another Toronto Raptor. It's Damari Carroll. That's what I had. I had that for you. Do you steal my answer? No. Yeah. No, because I'm. It's the right one. Yeah. I'm high. I'm so high on him. I you think. Are. I'm so excited. He looks completely healthy, athletic, back to sort of that old slasher three point shooter ways that is is valuable. Oh, and yeah. if he is that type of player, then he's worth basically fifteen million dollars, which is what he's getting paid. Um, but. Uh, it's like he's healthy for playing preseason basketball. So yeah, small sample size, but still a lot of reason to be enthusiastic. I mean, I think that this one's probably, I think your energy is better placed in this, in this case than in the Andrea Bargnani thing. Yeah. And you're also, I think you've learned some valuable lessons from, from, from that experience. That's an Apollo tweet type segment <laughs> that we may have to have coming up uh, later. Apollo tweet. This is why you fail. This is why you fail. Um, next uh, up, by the way, you saw the new trailer for Star Wars. I did. What are you feeling? Um, I got to tell you, you know, I, I got pretty juiced up for the last trailer. Well, here's what I did. I, I watched the um, the actor that plays, uh, what the hell's the guy's name? Eric. Finn? Yeah, Finn. John Boyega? Yes. I watched him watching the trailer, which is the better. He should, that should be the new trailer for everything. He should, <laughs> he should just watch Maybe the trailers because he gets super excited and it's really, it's really, um, it's nice. It's a good, it's a fun, it's a feel good video. Um, but the actual trailer itself, not But the so actual much. trailer, I mean, like, I liked that first trailer. This one, I'm just, uh, you know, I saw The Force Awakens and I think we both agreed, you know, eventually that it kind of doesn't necessarily hold up in the way that, that we want it to. Yeah, I think. 
I, I understand the excuse from apologist Abrams apologist that it kind of resets the franchise in a way. You know who you're supposed to focus on and it shows that the trilogy or the next trilogy won't be like one, two, and three. That'll be closer to four, five, and six. But I guarantee, let's say I have five kids, okay? Let's just say I start producing children. Really? I won't show any of my five kids The Force Awakens unless if they demand it. That's not going to be a movie that I'm going to rewatch in any way. No. I've seen Rogue One 12 times already. <laughs> Is that right? Parts of it. Really? I watched the end of Rogue One a lot. Wow. The scene, well, just wow. Darth Vader. The, just the part where they all, oh yeah, that part. Just the Vader part. That part's amazing. I think that's, that's. They that's, really finally captured the power of Vader, you know? And that's what's been missing. Yeah. Even in the original trilogy. Totally. You're, you're not like. I'm like I don't really buy it that this guy's all. all it's kind that. of a lurking yeah. figure, and like yeah, he can he can he like move a vent. He can like yeah. hit you with a vent. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that was like oh my god, he moved a vent. <laughs> that that was maybe a top four scene, four sequence of scenes that Vader stuff in all the movies. Yeah, I think. I know that he, when he's and, when they, he's just slowly pacing through that hall, just raging on people with people his mind, are freaking yeah. out, just oh my god. It's like there's a great white shark after them, you know. By the, by the way, you see that? That's a burnt. That's a burn. I was what? making chicken wings. That's burn a chicken the bicep, wing. huh? Yeah, is that good? What was it? Oil that kicked up at you? No, I like. I don't know how I got the pan up here, but I picked up the pan up here. <laughs> you picked up the pan with your bicep. That's how you do it. Next superlative. Next superlative. This is the Isaiah Whitehead here have another spin move award. <laughs> so this is the guy. This is <clears throat> this is the move that you'll see from a player that's like a like a almost. Um, a, a funny go-to move. I don't know how to say it. It's like he's like parodying himself almost with how often he does it. Sure. Um, I have an answer for it. I know it's kind of a tricky one, um, but if you have one, just shoot no, it out. Okay. It so I think we're going to start seeing the Ronde Hellas Jefferson turnaround jumper a lot and start to <laughs> start to. Um, it's going to become a little predictable um, in a fun way. Is it going to be good? I don't know. I don't know. If it's going to be good. Like Isaiah White at Spin Move is good because it almost always benefits you know him in some way. Oh sure, yeah. The Brooklyn um, Cyclone. Come on. And so far so good with the uh, Hollis Jefferson turnaround J. So far so good from like eight feet. Not completely pretty. Not completely interesting, but not not super far from pretty. And he's also rotating both ways. Like he's got a lot of uh, he's doing like the Kobe side turnaround, you know. And to be honest, as as a post player, which he's going to be this year, not that he's going to post up, that move is kind of a crucial part of that little toolbox you could have. Death. If you're if you're a small ball four and you're being guarded by another small ball four, if you can just elevate slightly, turn around, and put the ball in the hoop that way, mm-hmm. that's going to get you six points a game. That's not a terrible way to make your living. No. Um, I drafted Ronda Hellas Jefferson in my fantasy draft last <laughs> night with the 16th pick. <laughs> Stop with it. The 16th, I had to have one 16th token. 16th overall? Yeah, no, no. Oh, in the 16th, 16th round. Overall, in the 16th <laughs> round. <laughs> I don't know how bullish you are on no, Ronda. That's insane. Um, my This isn't a move, but it's something I think we're going to see over and over again and will make me furious is D'Angelo shooting two two steps within the three point line. I know you're already you're already grilling him for this. It's on your radar. It's just a shot that should never be taken. Should <laughs> never never happen. Mm. It should never ever be taken. Yeah. And if he does that, I'll be very mad at him. You've just become such an analyst, you know. Go get back to the eye test, Mike, you know. Get, get, <laughs> you're really just pouring over the data. Guy, the guy who likes Bargnani is an eye test guy. <laughs> Trust me. That's an eye test does guy. Not, does not hold up to the deep yeah. analytic dive. Yeah, I don't think so. Um next up 
Uh, this is the Reggie Evans, This Is More Frustrating Than Fun Right Now award. Um, so this is the this is a, the time honored time honored award um, that uh, that we give every year because like a lot of people were like Reggie Evans is so fun and then it's actually it sucks to watch. Him. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, I have an answer. I wanted to give you an opportunity. I think it's Mozgov for it's me. Mozgov for me as well. I think we the idea of him, big goofy guy yeah. shooting threes, yeah. kind of athletic. Um, that seems nice. Also shooting long twos. Don't don't forgive him his <laughs> long twos. I forgive Mozgov for all sins. Yeah. D'Angelo for none. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do think if you actually watch Mozgov, I'm not saying it's he's not Reggie Evans, but he is not that much fun to watch. No. He'll maybe he'll throw down an alley oop by D'Angelo. Yeah. But overall, I was listening back I want to him off the floor. I was listening back to our episode and I forgot to tie this point together. But I was at uh, the Heat preseason game at Barclays, and <clears throat> Heckler in front of me. I was talking about hecklers in general, and uh, was going in on Mozgov, and I think for good reason because he had a particularly bad game that game, and the way that he was bad was eerily reminiscent of a lot of like Brook Lopez's. You know, when he's having a bad game missed passes like sort of out of position like just gassed he looked like super gassed yeah couldn't had no lift um at times and was just getting really frustrated but it was nice when he was super frustrated he went into the bench and he was about to like huff and puff and like throw a fit but everybody all the way down to the to the you know 18th dude in the roster gave him like heavy high fives Hey, high five, which was a nice moment. I like I like to see almost better than seeing him play well. Yeah, <laughs> those solid high fives. Uh, next up is this is the Jason Collins. You won't be seeing it in the box score award. Um, so mm. this is the award that goes to a player whose impact on the court does not appear on in the box score. I have my answer, Mike. I want to give you an opportunity for an unbiased. So I think this guy will be a box scorey type player, but I think you're going to pick who I'm going to pick. I can feel Spencer it. Dinwiddie. No. no, I think it's Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, because I think it's a good choice. He's going to play that solid, not like a spectacular D from the point guard position. He's going to play nice D. He's going to be able to switch on players. He's going to do the right thing when he's been in the game in the preseason. He's you know competently run the team. The team seems to be moving at a decent pace. But he's not incredible. He's yeah. not D'Angelo. He's not going to do anything that D'Angelo does. He's almost the opposite, except he's the same size as D'Angelo. For me, I went with a choice that you're not going to love, which was the Jeremy Lin. And I think as a <laughs> a per 36 warrior that he'll never actually be, you know, he's not going to play the, the 36 minutes ever. I'm sorry for the Lin army out there. But here's the thing. I do think all of those all of those claims that people make about how he adds to the winning percentages and how like the defensive rating goes up, all those all those tiny little things sure. accrue to mean something more than what you see in the box score from Jeremy Lin. I'm a believer in the fact in, him, in, in that Jeremy Lin plays a winning brand of basketball. Do you want me to unleash? Please, if you have something to unleash. Okay. Yeah. So this is something I've been holding in for a while <laughs> about Jeremy Lin. Go ahead. Okay. I don't know if we have a sounder for this, but Mike's first trade. You're dumb. <laughs> uh, Mike's first trade idea of the season is. Oh, wow. Oh, here it comes. Everybody watch out. So I think we all. I love that we can't just give Jeremy Lin a compliment without. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a. It's always a, a sandwich with with you. 
A sandwich? Yeah. What does that mean? Like a like you know how to make like a compliment sandwich? It'd be like you say something nice Good, and, and then, then something you gotta work on and then something nice again. Yeah. You, I, that is actually how I that's yeah. how I work my job yeah. typically. Is that right? Like, hey, I love your work, but like can, yeah. uh could you not say this? Anyways, um Jeremy Lynn, let me bring up my trade possibility. So this is something that I've been thinking about. There's been no rumor about it. I think it's intriguing and I think everyone is going to hate it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I think this would benefit the nets and this is big picture thinking. Okay. Jeremy Lin, as we we all know, this is his final year with the team unless if he opts in for next year. He's a player option for next year. Okay? So I'm going to put Lin Karis LeVert. Wow. Okay? For Jabari Parker and Matthew Della Vadova. Wow. Wow, okay? everybody. Hold up. Hold up. Where's the... We got to... That is straight fire trade. Okay, let me let me say before everyone starts tweeting at the BK Glue guys, let me just say what it is, okay? Um, Jeremy Lin, again, could be a free agent. Levert, this is this is a sell-high move. We understand, we it's been reported out there mostly by Nets Daily Net Income, that teams constantly call about Karis Levert and the team, the Nets, mm-hmm. constantly turns them down. Um, this season, I am worried that Karis will not live up to the potential that we believe he has. Mm. And if you're going to sell, this is the time to sell on Karis LeVert. His his value will not be higher unless if he does actually play well, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're giving up a year of Lynn, which which I, I will explain why that may be a good thing. You're giving up Karis LeVert, who you don't actually know if he's a starter in the NBA. For Jabari Parker, who is young at the age of 22... Scored 20 points a game last year, 49% from the field, 36.35% from three, which is, like, very good. Um, Negative about Jabari. He is 22 years old, but he said two torn ACLs. Mm. Very bad. Um, You have to take on Matthew Dellavedova. He has three years at $9 million a year. So if you do this deal, you're basically saddling... If you're going to have Delhi, Mozgov, Crab, and Carroll for $58 million combined, mm. that's a lot of just dead money. Um, Jabari, his ACL being torn, he won't come back until allegedly after the All-Star break. But there's a positive even in that. Uh, he's a restricted free agent at the end of this year. You're basically buying him for a season to then offer him a low-ball contract. Because you can give him, let's say, something like four years for $12 million and bet on the fact that he will be healthy under your, your hospital special surgery-type staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're banking on the fact that you can get a guy who is actually a top 20 young player in the league for Jeremy Lin, who doesn't fit on your team really, uh, and Levert, who may only be a bench player. So... I'm just putting that out there. That's Put it out there. You know what's really interesting? <clears throat> what? The email that we just got while we were recording is from Cheerboy. Jose! Just Jose. Um, and he said, last season, we finally saw the end of the Brook era. Uh, will we see the end of the Lynn era? Precedent has shown us that Marks is not afraid to trade away his vets. I see two teams I could use a PG right now. Denver and Milwaukee. What? Could they possibly make a move for Lynn? Dude, how serendipitous is that? So, and, and there's like an even smaller version of this trade. You could trade Jeremy Lynn for DJ Wilson, who's a guy that we know that the Nets, I think DJ Wilson's his name, the power forward from Michigan that was drafted right before 
Jared Allen was and was a guy who the Nets believed to have been liked, who liked that guy. Mm-hmm. You could just trade Lynn for him and then a second round pick or something. And I think Milwaukee would do that immediately. You could even get a first round pick out of Milwaukee if then you assume Delavadova's contract. I'm including Jabari in it because um, this team played better. The Bucks played better without Jabari than they did with him. Uh, if they really want to be a competing team in the East, to integrate a player like Jabari late in the season doesn't make that much sense for them. They're going to mm-hmm. be paying a couple of other players. They really need a point guard. Um, I think they'd be willing to give up a talent like Jabari for a shot at Jeremy Lin running their offense as opposed to Matthew Delvedover or Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Just saying people think about it. It's an interesting one, Mike. I'll grant you that. All right. Let's, uh, sorry. I, I bogarted the. No, uh, no. That's, I think that's exactly what this is about. You know, this is about a conversation starter. All right. Be a part of the conversation, Mike. Um, so I think this might be the, the last one that we do. Um, I think what time are we? Are we getting close to the end of this thing? Um, no, nah, we got, we got time, but yeah. So this is the Randy Foy Improbable Hero Award. This is in, so to tie this all together, if you're a long time listener, first time caller, then. You probably First time caller. Then you probably Mike know. Mike only. Um, yeah. Then you probably know that we were hilariously loud wrong about Randy Foy last year. Uh, I think we talked about the <laughs> fact that he specifically would never hit a game-winning shot and have the crowd go crazy and have Ian Eagle screaming Randy Foy's name, and that's exactly what happened. Of course. Um, so I think it's only it's only right to give him the improbable hero award, naming it after him. Um, who, who is it for you? Just name a guy who's going to have a game winner. Probably Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Give me Joe Harris. Fair. Give me. Um, I, I bet on him being having five relevant moments. You know, it's a guy that we I think is is we're we're not talking about enough, and is going to be a lot more relevant this season than we might think. Tell me, Quincy Acy. Really? I don't think we talk about him enough, and I think he's going to get a lot more minutes than we than we realize. What do you think he's going to get? I think he's going to get a fair amount of minutes, dude. He's been playing a lot of preseason, and he's been playing well. He's like you know a guy I like to watch play. Especially alongside Trevor Booker, just for full on, like, yeah, just just brutishness. Like, yeah. Um, so, and also, this stroke is still there, you know? His, this, this, <laughs> that goofy, this insane the goofy shot. Quincy AC is hitting threes phenomenon is, is persisting somehow. Um, so it seems to me like if you're going to slack off anyone in an end of a game situation, Quincy AC might still very well be that guy. And he can stroke a tray. I will say, I mean, I don't think Quincy Acey's forcing out Trevor Booker, but Booker is the type of guy who he he fits the least on this team. Just the skill set, the, like the skill set, and like he's I love him. You know, he's super fun, especially when he takes the ball out from under the hoop and goes the other way to the offensive end. But I don't know, dude. I think I'm, I I think he's starting to see, like I don't know. For example, that behind the back pass to the corner three. Uh, in one of those preseason games against the Knicks, an insane thing to do. Oh, oh, the yeah, an insane idea for any anyone really. But of all people, Trevor Booker flexing his playmaking muscles, and I think he's well, finding that he has them. I think he does have them. I'm just saying, like because of his age and only he has one more year left on this being his last year on the contract, it just makes sense to trade him if you can. Yeah, I don't know if like not every bench player needs to be traded. And you don't want to run a franchise where everyone signed and then immediately flipped for something else. That's just not the way you want players to think about their time with the Nets. But, you know, why? I mean, to be honest, like Quincy AC can do 80% of what Trevor Booker does, and he's younger and he's super much cheaper. Mm-hmm. 
if there's a trade that could be had where you can even get a second round pick for Trevor Booker, I'd be all for it. Because ultimately, Trevor Booker's not going to be the difference between the eighth seed and, you know, whatever. You bite your tongue, Mike. He's the emotional centerpiece of um, this team. I, so I have a couple of big questions that, that I was kind of formulating about this team. Let's hear it, dude. Um, let me pull them up for you. So, the Nets are back. Uh, hitting all of the drops. I'm trying to get all the drops in in one episode. So three things for you and I to answer. These are the three big questions that I've deemed about the Nets this season going forward. The last question is the biggest, so stick wow. around for that. <laughs> big tease. Um, number one, and also very important, what are we getting from D'Angelo Russell this season, Brian? What's your vision for D'Angelo? Well, you saw my roundtable response. I'm. I was. I did not read it. The most bullish. I on, skipped your name. <laughs> I was the most bullish on D'Angelo Russell of everyone. Oh, were you? Probably going to be wrong, but I had this whole elaborate comparison to the 2012 Houston Rockets, as you know, just parlaying off of the, um, uh, or piggybacking off of the um, talks about the comparisons of D'Angelo Russell to James Harden. So sure. I was like, okay, let's let's take that thought for a walk you know who who will be the 2012 version of chandler parsons could it be lavert could the 2012 version of jeremy lynn be jeremy lynn aka version of jeremy <laughs> lynn that plays more than 70 games he played the whole 82 games that season um uh and then i was like is could damari a 30 year old damari carroll be a tw- like what a 23 year old patrick patterson maybe sure maybe sure <laughs> so i just i just built this insane comparison thing that being said, the system's probably slightly more egalitarian than than the you know James Harden breakout season was. Uh, yes. So and also like James Harden's percentages were bonkers, super good. Um, before well before that year, yeah, yeah. specifically he shot like fifty percent from the field, something stupid, just really good. He's a real good basketball player. He's Mike. a real good ba- and also so an obvious the main difference between D'Angelo and James Harden. Is the efficiency and it's the free throws. It's the fact that Harden was like always right. been a free throw beast. Right. So I took those numbers, dialed them down just a bit, but I think I had like 22 or 23, six and four, which I know that's a really big year, but I'm like I said, that's a huge year. Yeah, I know. I know, but I'm saying that <laughs> I think, I think if anyone, I think if there's a like big breakout candidate this year, this seems to be. This seems like it's it's very possible. Like especially consider like Jeremy Lin gets hurt, heaven forbid. But you know, and and uh, there's a lot more extra minutes, a lot more extra ball handling duties. I can see him just being like, all right, I'm just going to get my shots up all season long. I'm not going to say it's going to result in 45 wins like it did on Houston. Like definitely not. And there's going to be bad percentages to account for the fact that now we're we're not going to win 45 games. That's for sure. But. I think those touches are going to ramp up as if maybe some some losses and we start taking some L's. I, f- I feel like it's going to be really hard not to just be like D'Angelo, like get get good. Why don't you get, get good? Get, get good really fast, could you? I mean, and also I think so. What's interesting is that he, if you just look at his averages and not from all the surrounding noise around him, just over his past two years of the Lakers, last year he was basically sixteen five and four, sixteen five and three, however you want to round up or round down. That's really good for a guy as young as he is. Huge. And his and his shooting percentages weren't embarrassing, you know, especially from three. I Just mean, they, about average. They're all fine. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I don't even think that those numbers are going to inch up all that much. Maybe he hits 18 points per game, and maybe it's five assists, and maybe 
it's four rebounds. Like everything ticks up a little bit. But what will make him a better player and make this team better is if it's not all on him that it is within a flow of an offense and his percentages increase greatly. If his efficiency increases greatly on this team and the overall production doesn't really, I would be so happy with that. If his if his shooting percentages and his efficiency stays low, but yet his his overall scoring and everything else goes up, I don't. That doesn't mean as much to me. That just means that he's playing more, and the system that this Nets the Nets are in is a better system than the Lakers, which I do mm-hmm. think it is. Um, what will what will he be? I think there's going to be a patch. There's going to be one time when he's going to have bad paper headlines for something he says. Now we we've we've followed him since he's been traded. Mm-hmm. I would say he's been perfect with of how he's handled this situation. Okay, okay. but just the, the nature of uh, the type of magnet he is for attention, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that the New York papers are going to want to just figure out something interesting about this team. And the most interesting thing about this team is D'Angelo. And it's not just going to be how great he is. There's going to be some moment where we're like, Oh no, D'Angelo don't do that. Mm -hmm. Most part though. I, I ultimately the type of season I would like to see from him is similar to the past two, except just efficiency, efficiency increased by 5% across the board, basically. Mm. Um, I think that's a nice hope. I think that's a nice dream. I'd love it if that were the case too. Like I'll take either of those two solutions. Any any kind of um, growth in either direction, whether just volume or efficiency, I'm honestly on board for either of those yes. two things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, second big question for you is um, what we all care about following the Nets is growth. We you know mm. don't trust the process. We trust the progress. That's all we care mm. about doing. Trust Hashtag. the progress, dude. You're that, on that's fire. Out there. That's out there. Oh, I'm it is. Gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to. Who's, who, who's saying that? It's it's been out there in the Twitter sphere a little bit. It's been bubbling for the past Credit to Nets Twitter months. sphere. Yeah. You know? Trust the progress. That's what we do. Um, of these players, whose progress is the most important? And then whose progress do you think will be the greatest? Okay. Yeah. Crab, Levert, Rondé, or Dinwiddie? I just threw Dinwiddie in there because he's a friend of the podcast. So the most important... Uh, for like lame reasons is crab making good on a large contract would be super helpful for a variety of reasons. Totally agree. Yes. Um, so that, but what, what I like to see is Hollis Jefferson. Um, oh, okay. I think that if you can a old softy, you, you just love, I like Rondé. him. I like him a lot, but I think he's got a, an interesting set of skills that if you can, cause he's, it's not a natural thing, right? He has to, I get, I get the sense he has to work really hard to, morph what he has into something that's like can translate into wins on a basketball court. <laughs> yes yeah um, so if he can do it and it's like this basically like it, it goes back to my like sort of my my hard love of gerald wallace you know a, a player like that <laughs> that i think is like a, a an, an excellent third or fourth player on a very good team like if you can get to that place um, that would be special. That would be nice for me. Just personally, emotionally, my emotional relationship to these players, you know, it's, it's important for me. That's all that matters for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the most important is still Levert. Even though Crab, like Crab's big number, of course, matters. And to get value out of that big number, you need him to be better than just the second best three-point shooter in the league. I think if Levert is not a starter, if he doesn't prove to be a starter in the NBA, 
then that's a bit of a blow to your team. Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking this trade value stuff. Trade value is pretty high for Levert from what we're hearing. Our sources are telling us that. Um, if he's just a bench player who's like somewhat interesting of a ball handler at a tall size, but never really basically is Sean Livingston, who's a little bit more athletic, but less cagey, less uh, wily out there. Mm-hmm. Then that, that's interesting, but that's not that doesn't move the needle. I don't know. Um, he doesn't strike me as necessarily Sean Livingston esque. Well, I mean him as basically because I I do respect Levert's ball handling. I mean that as just a tall ball handler who, yeah. who can guard. Who he does have the ability to guard multiple positions. Like if Levert was on a point guard, I wouldn't be I wouldn't yeah. be terrified of that situation. And he can guard twos and threes. But like I think the big difference between those two games is like for me, it's just like Sean Livingston is like pathologically averse to finishing at the hoop, like to like actually taking a layup, whereas Levert is averse to doing anything but taking a layup at this point, or or, <laughs> or should be until he starts making some some shots. But you're right on, on the fact that like they they don't have range. They're vo- they're both tall ball handlers, sort of should be like small forwards, kind of, but aren't. It's yeah. yeah. So weird. I think there's an interesting comparison to draw there. Um, the, yeah, the Anthony Hardaway like things like that's still on the table. In theory, if you can if you can stop on a dime and pull up and, and hit some interesting difficult shots, like that's that's what you need to start doing, Levert. Like, but I would Anthony Hardaway like post injuries, right? <laughs> right, he's still quite a bit slower than yeah. a young Anthony. But he's but still he's yeah. still super important to this team. I'm just I've I've been down to him for a while. Like I was I know he was joking earlier in the, the season about Milton Doyle being better than Karis Levert. But I, I'm honest when I say Levert isn't a natural scorer. He just doesn't he because he no. can't really shoot and he's not a dynamic to the hoop player. The, there's not like a, a clear way to be like, oh yeah, this makes sense for him. He's yeah. a nice player who fits on a team that does a lot of different things, but he doesn't what he's figured out now is basically like how to get the defense's attention like he can get there he can get inside he can drive all the way up until the time to make the final decision happens and then it can get a little hairy but he's i mean he's drawing a lot of fouls and stuff and it's like still his free throw percentage my 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 thing (laughs) needs to get better of course Uh, and that's also you know sort of you should if you're going to be hitting mid-range or long-range shots you need to be shooting at least high 70s and he's not there um but uh, so, yeah, so I think like he knows how to he knows how to like appear threatening. And that's a that's a valuable thing. Um, but it's about closing the deal, negotiating around the second defender, that kind of stuff. Um, and you're right. I think that'll be a huge, momentous, important thing this season. Mike, the last big question, the most important big question, Brian, we've talked about this a little bit on Google Hangouts. Oh, um, what if. This team does not win really that many more games. Yeah. And I'm saying this not counting injury. Obviously, if D'Angelo and Lynn both get hurt and it's just a disaster of a of a medical season, then there's an excuse. I'm saying no excuses. This team doesn't grow all that much. What does that mean? I mean, that would be a bummer. I mean, I think we have to start, you know, you know, Maybe not start, but we should be emotionally prepared in case that happens. Um, because <laughs> Every, it's not hold on to your butts, everyone. It's not out of the not out of the question. Um, but what would it be? I don't know. Is it is this a referendum on on Kenny Atkinson's ability to develop players? Is it 
uh, a referendum on Sean Marks's vision as a GM yet? I mean, I don't think we're I don't think we're there yet where we start making those kinds of blanket statements about management. I think I think that uh, you, there's you will lose maybe some faith in those uh, the abilities of those yes. people maybe, but have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they're still working with not a ton of paper talent like you know the reason that we're excited about this team in the first place and that this that this is even a concern is because we have so much faith in their systems culture yada yada stuff um and we'll find out whether they're just good pr men or if they're actually they can make good on these things i think that's still a season or two away before it's like okay guys really time to pony up and make good on some of those promises i think there's a significant amount of pressure on this team now yeah. Not to make the playoffs, but to show real improvement, to show 11-win improvement. They won 20 games last year. If they won 31 games, would you you would say, yes, I'm happy with 11-game improvement. I think most people would be disappointed if they only won 31 games. That's a decent number. Mm. That's You're getting kind of close to 500. You're, you're approaching that level where you're... You're an interest. You're not a terrible team. You're going to win some games you shouldn't have won. You're beating up the bad teams at that point. Thirty-one games, but that is still not good. Um, if this team doesn't does barely improves the win total, that would be a massive blow. One, it would mean that this thing is going to take so much longer than people think. I think mm-hmm. what most people think right now is in after two seasons, this team's going to be a playoff team at least mm-hmm. right d'angelo will have been older if you give me two seasons of d'angelo two more seasons of karis two more seasons of ronde you hope alan Crabb's pretty good you hope that marks can make a crafty trade in some way to improve and bring in another young talent i i should be I, I feel like that's a projectable thing and i feel okay about that if they're bad this year really bad then that means that this this light at the end of the tunnel is so much further away mm. that I think most people want to admit. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think this team's going to be significantly better. I'm really, really excited for this team. I think their style of basketball, combined with the actual talent that they do have, Rondé at the four, Damari being there now, Crab. I mean, just think of the amount of talent that they brought in. They basically only lost Brooke Lopez and then brought in D'Angelo, Damari, Alan Crab. Lavert's going to be healthier. Lynn is healthier. That's just a ton of guys that they're adding. A lot of minutes that is going to be so much better than last year. Basically, replace Randy Foy's minutes with D'Angelo's minutes, right? Yeah. Like that, just sub that in. If they don't, if they don't improve significantly in the win total, I'm there's going to be, it's going to be a strange atmosphere around this team, and I think uh, attention wise around them is going to kind of plummet. Because people are getting back into it. People are getting back into basketball with the Nets. And if they're not that good, then it's going to be like, oh, crap. I hope for our sake they're good. Like, Yeah, we need it for the pod. Come on, guys. Come on, buddies. Um, and also, I will say, and this has sort of been lurking out there, all these reports about Prokhorov selling a piece of the team or selling all the team, blah, 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 blah. How does that impact things? I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it when it happens, but... It's likely it's unlikely a new owner will come in and be patient. Most new owners stink. Mm. They just do. They're just not good. All of them want to win immediately. They don't spend a billion dollars to lose. Um, so that would change the Marks Atkinson equation if that happens too. But that's how. Uh, well, there's nothing. You, even if a billionaire did come and buy it, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing to be done. 
There's no, there's no there's, move. There is still... Well, so what's going to be interesting, and that's also sort of the element. If this team isn't that good, team's not capped out, but they're, they have a lot of long contracts on the books that are really a high number. So it's not even like that they could take... You know, if this team is capped out and basically wins the same amount of games, there's not that other avenue for them to acquire more talent. They're basically... This is the team. Right. So it's even if like a billionaire comes, comes in and buys the team... There, there's not a ton of incentive to can Kenny and, and Sean and like be like, okay, new GM, you've got the reins to this thing. Yeah, but there's still, because of the way the cap flattened almost immediately after the bubble, now there are a lot of bad contracts out there. And if you're an owner who's coming in, a new billionaire of some kind, wanting to improve, you could say, hey, let me get Andre Drummond, Eric Bledsoe, and some like all the bad contracts that are a lot of money, mm-hmm. who are like okay players for, for like what D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin and, and yeah, like, essentially it's saying, yeah, you'd that, give, that would be a very bad. I would owner. I would almost if if you went to the Pistons right now and said we'll give you Karis LeVert for Andre Drummond, I think they would do it because they don't. I mean, they've like, been trying to get rid of him forever. Yeah, and you're basically just saying take one young guy with no money and give us a pretty talented but flawed, deeply flawed player. And we'll take him on, and because he, w- Andre Drummond would make the team better than Karis LeVert will. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't like Andre Drummond, do I, you? I really dislike Andre Drummond's game. Um, and there are like other guys who are going to become free agents that you could just throw a ton of money at, and see. But hey, ultimately, let's let's round it off this way. You, we did the roundtable thing. What was your prediction for the team this year? Um, wins. Just just general vibe wins overall what do you see happening i'm i'm hopelessly optimistic still as ever always will be i came in i told you i came in hot with the 29 wins and then i bumped it up to 36 like a maniac um that's a lot you came in at 34 mike so don't don't start yeah, I know. don't look at, <laughs> don't talk at your neck to me i don't even remember what i did but 34 sounds good yeah um so yeah at 36 in the east you're you're probably in the ninth seed or something like that um does this team buy a guy at the end of the, end of the trade <laughs> deadline to um, get to the playoffs wouldn't that be amazing oh my god but uh i don't know like i still based on what i saw in the preseason again we talked about it but there was a lot of maturity on display a lot of um a lot of a lot of the development that we're talking about from the players. It was on. I could see it with my own two eyes. It passed the eye test on a couple of different fronts. Definitely, Spencer Dinwiddie looks super mature, smart, heads up, great second string point guard, perfect, valuable. What you'd want. He actually has. I would think he has value in the league. Totally. Ronda Howard Jefferson's added a lot. Of, added a lot to his game. Um, I don't know. Qu- Quincy and C. Trevor, Trevor Booker even are only getting more valuable. Like all of the players that we had that we kept, have increased their value with the exception of Isaiah Whitehead or a few other people. And those are just mostly because of opportunities that are you know, yeah, teams getting deeper. Um, so yeah, I'm still I'm still a believer. I think that this is actually taking place. All of the development stuff that everyone's claiming is happening, it appears to my eye to be happening. Um, so I have faith that that'll continue to happen throughout the season. You know. God willing, they stay healthy and uh, and rattle off a few W's early in the season when the, they play some terrible teams to start this. Like the first month is ridiculously bad. I wouldn't be surprised if they go like five and five, six and four, even seven and three. It's all Eastern dregs. A lot of home games. Yeah, I mean, I ultimately think their biggest. I love their style of basketball. I do like the talent better this year, as I said before. Ultimately, like the problem is 
once you actually are out on the floor with the other team's starters, you actually are seeing because like they did. <laughs> Nets had the softest preseason schedule too. You're gonna be like, oh yeah. crap! When they play Oklahoma City, they have no shot. Houston, no shot. Warriors, no shot. Cavs, no shot. Celtics, no shot. Like there's just all those teams have like pretty proven talent. D'Angelo is the only guy on the team that can be that hero ball, make his own shot, do something that beats a defense no matter how well the defense plays. Uh, Jeremy Lin has a little bit of that, of course, too. They're going to be so reliant on on energy activity and system that there's gonna there's just going to be some teams that they're never going to beat. Mm-hmm. But the, the, it is rare in the NBA. We've seen this before. Lionel Hollins' type teams, those Lionel Hollins type teams that they don't have uh, a coaching advantage. The Nets have a system and a coaching advantage mm-hmm. against a lot of teams. Um, they won't really ever have a talent advantage, but the system will get them over the hump for a lot of games. Mike, don't get me so down. Come on. The Nets are, are back. back. Yes. Yeah, fire it up, baby. Come are on. Are they going to win? Season. Are they going to beat the Pacers? Are they going to start the season 1-0? Yeah, and We're going to drop that deuce on those Pacers. Come on, boy. The Nets. We will be back after the Pacers game. We will be doing a podcast together. So look for that on netsdaily.com. It'll, we will drop a pod right after that game. You'll have the reactions ready for you that morning after the opening night of the NBA. Brian. Mike. Great talking to you. Hey, I'm excited, Mike. Are we going to be texting during this uh, Celtics-Cavs game or are you going to be working? I'll probably won't be texting you. Twitter. You'll be tweeting. I'll be tweeting. You'll be tweeting up a storm. Pick it up followers. I know how you are. All right. Um, we'll catch you next time. Check for that pod, the next pod, you know, whatever, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, netsdaily.com, iTunes, everywhere you find us, find us. Yeah. I like Player FM. That's my app of choice. Check it out. And just you can just sign up for Almighty Baller Radio, the entire feed, and then just upstates you with... With any any show you want, if you're it. like if you're like Mike Wims out in Phoenix, want to want to hear a Phoenix Suns podcast, bang, you got it. Anyways, um, hey Mike, five star reviews, right? Don't forget those. Okay, bye everybody. Thanks you guys. Let's go guys. Woo. Nets. Woo.